Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. As we're continuing in this series, Love Unimaginable, uh, we're looking at obviously the love of God, but the the depths of that love, the implications of that love for us here as we follow Jesus and know that we are in the family of God and that God's love um, operates on a level we don't totally understand, but the more we're aware of it, the more that we can be changed by it and governed by it and, you know, moved by it. And we look at, uh, looked at Romans 5, 6 a couple of weeks ago, but I want to read it to you again because there's some stuff we're going to unpack here today that's really important. And it says, for when we were still without strength, let's mark that in your mind, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why in the world would he do that? Well, we're going to see. For scarcely for a righteous man one, will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot in here to unpack. And I think some of us are kind of familiar with the idea or principle behind this. Like, yeah, Jesus died for us while we were still in our sins. But the view from heaven is far more remarkable than we can imagine. You see, first of all, we have to understand that we were died for. A way was prepared for us while we were still without strength. Now, That word actually means feeble, impotent, weak, sick. That was our condition spiritually. We were all of these things because we were separated from God. Therefore, sin was our master and sin produced disease in us. This was our condition. We had no ability to gain God's favor. But while we were still sick, While we were still diseased, while we were still in our sin, totally cut off, Jesus died for us, as sick as we were, as valueless as we could be considered, possibly. He died for us to demonstrate his, whose love? His love. Again, the miracle of the cross has so many dimensions, But the one that we're looking at today is that it was done with us still lost. It was done while we were still sick, not knowing any different. That our sick condition was all we knew. Because we were lost, we were separated. And Jesus created a way back when we were still just a mess. Okay? We didn't get our act together and then find him. We were a mess. No matter what age that you found him, you were a mess. You were separated. Now, the implications of this are huge in terms of how God views this. Because as we see how God views us coming to a place of salvation, us being rec- rescued from our diseased, sick, feeble state, 
First of all, it's gonna change how we see God on a daily basis as part of his family, but it's gonna change a lot of other things too. So first of all, let's look at Luke 15. Verse one. So then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. I love that, like they had a special reserve section. <laughs> sinners over here, righteous over here. Tax collectors, you're way in the back. And the fair, now watch, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus, hearing this, he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, this would be something that they were very well acquainted with, sheep and shepherding and the value of sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. So we're going to stop right there. Right there, Jesus is turning some presumptions on on their head right now, turning upside down. Because right now what was taught is that sinners could come to God as long as they came the right way, as long as they cleaned themselves up, as long as they did the right thing and then found and approached God, they could be welcome. This is demonstrating that Jesus, he's using this to point to the reality of the kingdom that God seeks out those who are lost. He seeks out those that are lost and sick and without hope. Jesus is active, the Spirit of God is active in seeking out those that are not part of the flock that have been lost. And so, again, Jesus is giving insight into the heart of the Father. He's giving insight, you're gonna see, into what heaven is really all about, the the reality of heaven the reality of how God views his creation, how he views sin, how he views redemption. And so we have a sheep here that's lost, okay? He's lost. Sheep obviously were, I mean, considered they weren't the smartest animals. But the word lost here actually means to destroy fully, to perish. Which is really, I love that that is part of this definition because it's not just lost and not knowing it your way back. It's, it's, you, if you're lost, you're done. If you're lost, you are destroyed. If this sheep was lost, it was just a matter of time before he was attacked or starved or whatever. When you were lost, you were destroyed. There's no hope. And so, Jesus is using this analogy to demonstrate that this poor, hopeless sheep doomed to destruction was sought after by the shepherd, leaving the ones safe that were in the family that were not lost to go get this particular sheep that was lost because ultimately his destruction was inevitable. So why was Jesus telling this parable? It's just as much for us as it was for them. Some would say, well, it's, it's, it's about his love. Well, yes, but it's more. We're going to see 
through the actions of the ones that were there, that God was trying to then elevate or demonstrate his heart compared to the righteous ones of the day. Because what was happening, remember, who was present? You had sinners, (laughs) tax collectors, and then you had the righteous, in quotes, air quotes. They were disgusted. They were disgusted that Jesus, whoever this was, preaching about God, preaching about good news, was actually in the presence of sinners. They were disgusted that these sinners were in earshot of hearing this type of news. You see, back then, you were consider- there was no value placed on the sinner. They were excommunicated. They were marginalized. Righteous didn't want to be around them. You see, they were valueless. And so the righteous, if they were truly righteous, first of all, would have recognized Jesus for who he was and then been rejoicing that sinners were receiving some good news. But no, because of their actions, because of their employment, because of who they were, they were ostracized, rejected, not to be seen, And so here they are complaining that Jesus was actually receiving them and spending time with them when they deserved to be shunned. And so what we're going to see is that God's view of those that were shunned and excommunicated because of their sin. See, those are why Jesus came. More importantly, the joy behind finding them and seeking them and finding them and bringing them back is a huge source of joy for God and the kingdom. Watch what Jesus says. And when he has found it, the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders. And what's this word? Remember, God, Jesus is using a parable to demonstrate the reality of who God is in the kingdom rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost, doomed for destruction. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over who? One sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. See, Jesus is not just demonstrating the heart of the Father and his love for those that are lost, but he is saying, finding these sinners and redeeming them is some of the biggest joy you will find in heaven. It it is, is a source of joy for the Father. It's why he came down and died. It's why he prepared a way through the death of Jesus so that those who are lost can be found, and it is a huge source of joy but yet you had the righteous disgusted that Jesus was even in their presence. And he is saying, you guys don't get it. If any of these repent and turn to me, there is gonna be rejoicing in heaven. So, we're gonna see Jesus often sought out the valueless. The ones that were rejected and ostracized and marginalized. 
Jesus demonstrated the lengths that he would go to bring those back into the family. So we first have to remember this. You were that one sheep that at one point was lost. Jesus sought you out and through the Holy Spirit moved upon your heart and did you receive it? Yes. You were without strength, you were diseased, you were in your sin. But yet Jesus saw the value in you. He placed such a high value on you, we can't even begin to imagine or understand it. But yet the value is so high that this is what was done to prepare the way so that you could be found and be received. This is how much value you had to God the Father. And that love for you does not stop once you are found. The knowledge of it and the privilege of it and the promises over you because you're in the family just continue to grow as revelation grows. And it changes you. And what you need to understand is that in Christ, then we become driven by the Spirit of God, right? And guess what causes God a ton of joy? The loss being found. And how does he do that? Well, he uses us. He uses us to help bring the news. And then the Spirit does the rest. But if we devalue human beings because of their walk, because of their sin, because of their affiliations, because of this, because of that, see, we can't be part of what the kingdom really is all about. See, our salvation isn't just for us to hold on to and be blessed by. It's meant to transform us so that we see differently and understand that God's heart is for all to come to repentance to all be saved and redeemed, for all to become aware of the knowledge of the goodness of God and be transformed by his spirit, walking out of sin, which they are a master to, and into righteousness and holiness and being born again and living a new way. Let's look at Luke 19, one. Read this quite a few times. I want to read it again because it points to something very interesting. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich, therefore hated. He was hated because he was a professional thief empowered by the Roman government to extract taxes from the Jews, but they'd often take more than what was needed and that's how they became rich. So they were hated, despised, rejected. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. He was like my size. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and rejected him. Said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I have found you. Now I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they, the righteous, saw it, they all what? Rejoiced complained, saying, he is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner and not deserving of his presence. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, now look, Lord, I give now half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. So you're seeing the product of a lost man being found 
You're seeing what repentance looks like. But he was found and received and it changed everything. Jesus placed a value on him that he would never have experienced by the Pharisees or the religious because of how he lived. And then watch what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because unless you've all forgotten, he is also a son of Abraham. He is a Jew. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is an important statement because it gives insight again into how God sees his creation. He's like, now some of you would say he's not a real Jew because of the things that he does. And therefore he is not part of us. Jesus is like, oh yes, he is. Not just by genetics, but by faith now. We're gonna see that the family of God is not just reserved for the Israelites, but is now for all the world. But he is saying, guys, I still saw him as part of the family. You didn't. You rejected him. You ostracized him. I did not. He was just lost. He was just lost, but still part of the family. And today he has been found and restored. See, this is incredibly important. Because now, as you're going to see, because of Jesus, because of faith, because of the new covenant, see, Jesus came, remember, so that none should perish, is that the whole world has the potential to be part of his family. Every individual we see out there that is not a believer is someone who is lost, that has potential to be found. That's how God sees it. Look at Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, the Israelites, the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So God, who made a covenant with Abraham, who said you will be a father of many nations, You see, it was credited to him as righteousness because he believed, because it was before the law, right? So he was the father of faith for those who would believe. So we are now part of this family of faith with Abraham as our father, as the first to believe and receive the credit of righteousness because of his belief. So where, where am I going with this? We are blessed because God reached out, right, and found us and brought us into this family. And through faith, we can now have the confidence that we are in his family, right? Everyone has the potential out there to come to faith and become a child of God because of the hope of the cross. So we have to understand that God's love isn't reserved just for those in his family. His great desire is to continue to reach out and pull the lost into the family. Like he didn't make mistakes. Like each human being is not a mistake. Like every human being has been created no matter how they've come into existence. God knew and each person is weaved together and created with purpose 
with value. They just happen to be lost and diseased and weak and feeble. Feeble. <laughs> Look, Genesis 17, 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you, your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So that covenant means many nations, many people, everyone. When you look out, it's everyone. All that could come to faith, Abraham will be a father of. All that could come to faith and it knows no bounds. Do you know that the love of God has no bounds? It is not intimidated by any sin. It's not intimidated by how people carry themselves and the anger and the hate that they might have. He's not intimidated by affiliations. He's not intimidated by the, he's not, see, the love of God desires to seek and to find that which was lost. And we get to be part of that, but if you don't understand the goodness for yourself, then why in the world are you gonna go and be part of a rescue mission? You see, we have to know, first of all, the love of God that was poured out on us, how we were rescued when we were still without strength, how we were brought in and redeemed because of the blood of Jesus and our faith in him. And we have to know what that means for us, that we are changed, that we have hope, that we have God as our Father. And that changes everything. There's holy ground, there's carpet squares underneath us, right? We got yokes, we got all these things that point to the goodness of God being with us. And it's because, yes, he loved us enough to seek us out and to find us. And now we can't just hold that gift for ourselves, right? But we live in a culture where people are dismissed instantly if they share a different opinion. Instantly. They're lumped into categories. They're not people of value. They're just another member of this sect of people that believe this way. We could easily become the Pharisees if we're not careful because God sees them as lost. They don't know. And we get to participate in this. And remember, the biggest joy in heaven, some of the biggest joy in heaven is when a sinner repents and becomes part of the family. Jesus wasn't lying. And we get to participate in that. And I don't know about any of you, if you've ever helped someone come to the Lord, there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy. I'm telling you, it'll light you on fire in a second. Well, look at Jesus. Look, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, all right? This is who we look to for our marching orders, to be inspired, to be encouraged. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So what did he do? Who for the what? The what? That was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was that joy? What creates joy in heaven? Finding lost. Redemption. What joy was before Jesus? It was the joy of rescuing the lost, all lost. The cross is the rescue agent. We just carry the good news. But the joy meant so much that Jesus endured the horrors of the cross so that the lost can be found. And that creates immense joy and rejoicing in heaven. And we can never fully comprehend that. 
but we can participate in it. But if you do not think God is for you, if your God is not loving and he's judgmental and heavy and you're bound and loaded with fear and self-condemnation, why would you share that with anybody? Come participate in my misery. I was a lot happier sinning when I didn't know any better. You see how it all works together? But we were sought out even when we were knuckleheads. Right? We were sought. He came to seek and to find that which was lost. That was us. Never forget, you were lost. You were a sheep wandering around in the desert. Uh. <laughs> Never mind. You see, again, y'all, awakening revival happens when the reality of God's love and holiness is revealed and we realize how sinful we are, but then you realize how loved we are. But if somehow we begin to feel like we're better, we're privileged, and all of a sudden the matter of sin doesn't bother us as much, or the love of the Father is skewed, you see, it creates complacency. It creates routine. It creates a Sunday, a church service, a church service type mentality. And that's not what we're called to be. You see, our lives, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, as we are transformed, as we become the righteousness of God, not just in his sight through the blood of Jesus, but in our lives as we're transformed and we change how we see people. We change how we behave. We change how we act. Why? Because the spirit of God is leading us into righteousness and holiness. And that will lead us to care more and more about the loss. But we have to be injected with the reality of God's love for us and his mercy and grace. We have to realize how undeserving we are of any of this. We have to realize how sinful we still are. But yet, Jesus and his blood covers us and we're sealed. And every day is a privilege to live because we have the grace of God covering us and helping us and aiding us. But if we forget all of that, it just becomes a mundane type of existence. But if you understand you're part of a rescue mission, it changes everything, like everything. And don't worry. See, a lot of us think, well, how can you use me? I'm, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. How can you use me? <laughs> I know me. I know what I struggle with. I know this. I, but see, that's grace. Grace says, despite you, you still hold the good news. You are still loved. I am still transforming you. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. But part of that finishing is you knowing enough in Jesus that you are saved and that he loves you, that you dare to begin to even share news just by how you live, by how you react, by how you talk with people. You know, I don't, we all have different gifts and different capacities. But what I know is when God places you in front, who, all right, who knows someone that is lost? Hopefully all of you. Again, who knows someone that is lost? 
Have you ever thought that you might have a part of them being rescued? Who prays for them often? Because that's where it starts. You don't know them by accident. It's no accident. He didn't put you in there, in, he didn't put you in their presence to be disgusted by them, to hate them and devalue them. He put you in their presence so you could help bring the light of Jesus. Despite them. Because Jesus loved us and saved us despite us. Remember, we were diseased and sick. So, again, it starts here and then it goes out. It starts here and then it goes out. And the Spirit of God works through you. And some, this is the reality of evangelizing or being a one that shares, however you share the good news. Some of you may just be planting a seed and you may never see the fruit of it, but you gotta have seed planters. Some of you may be watering something they heard a long time ago, but some of you may be able to participate in the harvest, but we're all part of the, of the process. Again, God came to seek and to find that which was lost. Let's not think we're better than anybody else. People that are lost are potential members of the family of God. They just don't know any different. And they're being deceived, right? See, Jesus sought out the valueless. And not everybody received Jesus. It's not about batting a thousand. It's just about knowing you're part of a process and knowing that as you are faithful, to speak and to do as God leads, that it's up to God for the rest, and obviously it's up to the person too. But if we're sitting on it, if we're withholding it because we've devalued a person, see, that's on us. That's what the whole parable is of the sheep, the lost sheep. Jesus was demonstrating that, see, you righteous people got it all wrong. Heaven is all about finding these people and restoring them, not about despising them. So you guys, I mean, we have a mission. You know that, right? There's no reason these seats should be empty, right? First of all, as people are aware and become, as God's love is revealed more and more, as people's faith lives become more active out there, this is a desired place to come, not a place to just, okay, I did my time. It's like, I want to come and celebrate and to worship a God who has loved me through this week, who has saved me, who has demonstrated his goodness. I want to come and worship with other believers and be encouraged, you know? But when church can be, just be set aside for other things, I'm just saying, we need to look at our habits and say, what are our habits reflecting? Are our habits reflecting a life that has been totally saved and rescued from death? Are our habits reflecting making a priority to worship the one who has saved us and is with us and loves us and we've been brought into the family and our lives have a whole different meaning now, right? 
And then if we enjoy this enough, if we desire this enough, then it's like we go out and say, you got to come join me. You're going to experience something that you've never experienced before. It's the presence of God. And you can believe me or not, but I dare you to come with me and just see. Whatever. But you see what I'm saying? It's like, but if we're just complacent, if this is just about going to church and we feel like we've heard it and everything has kind of grown cold in us, we're not going to make a difference. We're not. We're going to avoid dark places. We're going to avoid people that are lost because they disgust us or they make us angry. Jesus did not demonstrate that at all. And so... That's what begins to happen when the Spirit of God begins to move on our heart. Who would say there's a lot of lost people? Colorado is pretty unchurched. They worship, I mean, the Broncos. (laughs) Or the outdoors. Or marijuana. And other things. But they're not worshiping the Lord. And they're lost. Romans 8, 14. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Are we led by the Spirit of God? Yes. You're a son, of, son or daughter of the, God, of, of the God of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. This is proof of your sonship. This is the, this is the byproduct of sonship. Is that you're not operating in fear anymore. You're not operating with this expectation of punishment. See, you've been saved by grace because of the cross. But you receive the spirit of, the, of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, a very intimate cry. It's reflective of a very intimate relationship with God, not a distant relationship. And then the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We've been brought into the family, right? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And there's something very interesting in that. He says, if indeed we suffer with him, what would bring suffering? Well, the fact that we may risk reputation, we may risk a lot to be able to share good news. We may be mocked and ridiculed but you see the knowledge of being in the family of God, the knowledge of being saved by grace, the knowledge of being born again, the knowledge of having a, the God, the only God, the creator, as a father who is with us, drives us to speak the truth so that some could be found. But that comes at a cost. Is it worth it? Well, heck yes, it is. Heck Yes. So again, it starts with the knowledge of God's love for us first. Some of you may have never even heard this message. It's just been about a lot of rules and a lot of obeying. It's not about an inward transformation in which you become more and more of who you really are. And that is a child of God. And that God is in you and he's over you and he is with you and he has prepared your steps and he knows the mistakes you're gonna make because remember, he still died for you when you were still without strength. Knowing full well the struggles that you would have, but he sees you overcoming them because he loves you. 
And the more you overcome and the more you experience the power of God in your life, because all of a sudden you're becoming a new person, you want to share this information. No different than if you're on some great diet program and you're like, if you want to know how to lose some weight, come check this out because I've been using it and it works, right? Or I've been using this, or I've been, you gotta, I've been using it and it works. I don't have all the answers. I just know it works. So come and see, right? Because again, God is after the lost. His patience in returning is salvation for many. And we can be a part of that. Amen? Amen. This is bigger than ourselves, you all. This is bigger than this church. Heaven is just waiting to rejoice for another to be brought in. And I know you can be part of that with somebody. I know it. Because God put you on this earth to do so. Don't let your mouth get in the way. Don't let your own, just, just trust and dare to open your mouth and the Lord will fill it. So Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for this incredible message and revelation of what you're about, Lord. We each were lost and we were found because of your great love. Lord, you rejoice. All of heaven rejoiced when we accepted you as our Lord and Savior, Lord. We can't even imagine the celebration and the rejoicing. But Lord, no, I, we know, help us see that as much as you loved bringing us in, and saving us. Help us see that people in that light, that you are just wanting to bring them in also. Yes, you're seeing them without strength. You're seeing their disease, but you're seeing them as your creation, who you value so highly. And the price you paid for them was your own life. Lord, help us see. Lord, help us battle fear. Lord, help us choose courage. I pray that each of us could experience your love today that removes fear but creates courage and encouragement and peace. Lord, we need you so desperately. Lord, help us become a church that shares your heart. Help us become a people, Lord, that see each day as you would see it. And Lord, give us the strength to make choices in our own lives that will bear fruit to be able to share with others. Help us renounce our dark and secret ways, Lord. Help us see those, Lord, those areas in which we need to yield to you and submit to you and choose righteousness, choose holiness, knowing that it's for our good and it's for our life. you. Jesus, thank you for being our Savior, for finding us, for rescuing us, and for your grace that saves us every day. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.